Welcome to Package Your Genius. I'm your host, Amanda Miller Littlejohn. I'm a former print journalist turned PR and personal branding pro, and I am here to help high achievers like you bring your genius ideas to life. Whatever gift you have to give the world, I want to be a catalyst for your next genius move. If you're ready to stop overthinking it and start putting yourself out there, you're in the right place. Let's go. Hey there. Today for our episode, I want to take a quick change of pace. I know we've been talking a ton about purpose and calling and how we can find our way, but I want to shift to my other big, huge passion, which you may or may not know is visibility. And as I mentioned on the last episode, I have the fortune of getting the opportunity to interview a New York Times op-ed opinion page editor and I will be speaking with her for a conversation here on the podcast and we're going to talk about op-eds and what she's looking for and how one should go about writing crafting and pitching an op-ed to get their big ideas into the world but I thought before we share all of those gems on that interview in that episode, I should talk to you a little bit about what an op-ed is and kind of how you can start thinking about what you have to say and how you can frame your thoughts. So essentially, if you think about an op-ed, it's an opinion editorial and Typically, they are no longer than about 800 words. Sometimes they go a little longer, sometimes shorter, and you can typically find them on the opinion page of most major newspapers. So to get an op-ed published in a major daily like the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, the Washington Post, or Chicago Tribune is a huge feat, but it's a huge score for your visibility. If you can get your opinion, your op-ed, your piece published in a newspaper like that, you instantly get your name and your ideas in front of millions of people, literally millions. And once you do it, no one can take that away from you. You will always have been featured or seen in the New York Times or in the Washington Post or the LA Times or wherever it is that you are published now. The big major newspaper dailies are not the only game in town. They are not the only places that you can get your op-eds published. You can also publish your op-ed online. Lots of media outlets accept submissions and are looking for contributors who have really sharp opinions, who are talking about timely topics that are on the minds of their readers and people who maybe even have tips, excuse me, or some sort of analysis or research to share. So um, if you've never read an op-ed or, you know, thought about writing one, or maybe you thought about writing one and you said, okay, well, what would I write about? Or how would I even get that ball rolling? You know, me in the New York Times, me in the Washington Post, I don't even know where I would begin with that. I wanted to take you through just a few pieces and a very short framework of how you could begin to craft a potential op-ed. So first of all, um, 
in our maximum exposure PR mastermind, I talk a lot about how you should go towards the things that um, are hot buttons for you. So you've heard me talk about thinking about what energizes you or what drains you when it comes to thinking about your brand and what you should build your brand upon or the things you should steer away from. So I want you to kind of think of it in those terms too. When you read the newspaper or watch the news or are dealing with your clients, going through your day-to-day life, what are some of those hot button topics that get you either really excited, really energized, or they make you very frustrated and very angry? Because basically, wherever there is a very strong emotion, that means you have some passion. And where there's passion, you probably can write a compelling op-ed. Now, given that there is something timely or factual that you can tie that op-ed to. So really quickly, I want to talk you through five questions you want to ask yourself before you set out to begin writing or conceptualizing your first op-ed, or maybe it's not your first. Let me not be presumptuous. Maybe you are seasoned in this op-ed game and you've written many before, but you're struggling to figure out what your next op-ed will be about. So how about that? Five questions to help you think through your next op-ed. And if you follow these questions sequentially, like if you jot down your answers to the questions in order, it's actually the basis for an op-ed outline. So here we go. Question number one, what is your big idea? What's the big hairy idea that you want people to grasp? Now, going back to the idea of energy, if something has really gotten you upset or angry or frustrated or perhaps something that you're really excited about and you wish more people were aware of, what is the big idea behind what you want people to know? So for example, a big idea that I may have is that every child should be encouraged to, um, pursue their passion and create something that they can publicly share with the world. So for example, my son Connor has written um, a series of books. So he has a book series, which he has talked about publicly. And I've seen how just creating something tangible, whether it is a piece of art or, um, you know, creating some sort of performance or creating an actual book, but having something that you can share with the world, especially if you're not athletic and you don't have a game that people can come, you know, check you out at. Having something that you can share with the world to, to say, hey, this is me, this is what I'm good at, and this is who I am, and here is something that I've made. I think is a huge confidence builder for kids. So that is a big idea, right? So that's question number one. What is your big idea? Question number two, what is your personal story? What personal story illustrates the conflict or the problem of your big idea, right? So um, if I were to talk about that 
particular big idea around kids publishing something. I could talk about my own child and how I've seen him come out of his shell once he had something that he could share with the world at first was music and then it was writing. But it could also um, tie into someone that I've seen or someone that I know, another student that I've encountered. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a personal story that is linked to your own life. But if it is, that's all the better. Essentially, you just kind of want to get to the point of why is this timely now? You could also talk about something that's in the news right now, um, a headline that has already gotten on people's radar. So, you know, so much is out there about the upcoming presidential election. So you get piggyback on something that you saw in the news, something you saw a candidate do or say. So it doesn't have to be personal, personal, but um, it needs to be, you need to be able to illustrate the story somehow or um, bring it to life with people or examples that people can understand and even picture in their heads. Number three, question number three, what facts, statistics, or third-party information can you use to demonstrate how your personal journey is a part of a larger issue? So for me, in the example about getting kids to share their genius, I could research statistics on sports and artistic performances and how that can build confidence. If there have been studies on how maybe a particular age range, say, middle schoolers um, could either become withdrawn or find a newfound confidence whether or not they take up playing an instrument, right? So that would require me doing the research and finding that fact or statistic or some study. But essentially what you want to do is find some outside resource that can validate and back up your argument and really help make it um, strong. This is not just simply your opinion. That's a huge part of it. But you want to be credible and you want to do your homework and you want to bring this opinion to the forefront in a way that it can really capture people's imaginations and speak to a larger issue. So it's not just you, it's not just your experience. Otherwise, it would be a personal essay and not an op-ed. And so when we bring in facts and statistics, we make it a lot more powerful. And question number four is, what's your point of view? What is your clear point of view regarding a solution to the problem, to the problem that you've brought up in uh, your story with the facts and statistics, with the big idea that you have kind of brought to the forefront? Now, the point here is you have to take a side. You can't be lukewarm. You can't say, well, maybe if this happens, it would be important. Or, well, maybe if kids get enough love at home they don't need to take up a sport or take up an instrument they'll be confident like you have to be very clear on your position so for me it's it's non-negotiable that kids have something that they can stand up and share to say this is something I'm proud of this is something I can do or this is something that I love I am good at this 
to me, that should be one of our mandates as teachers, as parents, as people who are guiding young people, helping them find the thing that lights them up so that they can come home to themselves and spend more time doing the thing that lights them up in the world, right? So I'm very clear on that. You may disagree, but that's my opinion. And then question number five, what do you want your readers to know or do? So once you have established your point of view, you've shared your story and maybe even backed up your story and your argument or your position with statistics and facts, you probably have a couple of tips that you want readers to take into consideration. Now, you'll oftentimes see in op-eds with policymakers or researchers or even, um, you know, foundation leaders, people who are arguing for funding or for a legislation change, they all make policy recommendations. They'll make like big recommendations that school districts could adopt or our politicians could adopt or the country should adopt overall. Because the idea with at least a nationally published op-ed is you want to make an argument that's going to get on the radar of the people in power who could potentially do something about it, right? So for me, this whole mock op-ed on kids having something that they love and are passionate about and can talk about, maybe my Um, advice or the things that I want my readers to do is to lobby for um, more arts education in schools because arts education has been notoriously cut in many public schools. Or maybe my argument would be to add a class in every middle school classroom in America that addresses Um, finding your purpose and finding your gifts and maybe, you know, giving kids a strengths finder assessment or leading them through some other assessment or teaching them how to journal so they can figure out what they are interested in, right? So that could be a recommendation that I could make in my op-ed that hundreds, thousands, millions of people could see. And some of those people may be teachers or administrators or principals or the heads of school districts who could actually implement my recommendations if they thought it made sense for them. So that is the last question. What do you want your readers to know or do? I'm going to go through those really quickly again. I know that was a lot, but Hopefully, if you're not driving and you have had a chance to pause this and just jot down the questions and then think about what your big idea may be a little later, um, hopefully we can start getting some op-eds out into the world. How cool would that be? So again, question number one, what's your big idea? What's the big idea that you want people to grasp? Question two. What's your personal story? What personal story illustrates the big conflict or problem of your big idea? What's been your experience with this big idea and why does it matter to you now? Um, And also what news stories may potentially help you illustrate the big idea if it's not a personal story? Question three, what facts, statistics, or third-party information can you use to demonstrate how your personal journey is a part of a larger issue or how this news story is a part of a larger issue? Whatever you're using to illustrate the big idea, 
what facts, statistics, or third-party information can you use to demonstrate that it's a part of a larger issue? Because we, we're going for impact when it comes to op-ed writing. You know, a lot of people should be affected by whatever it is you're talking about. So this should not be, um, you know, just a problem that you are facing or your family is facing. Because again, if it's simply a problem that only you're facing, it should be a personal essay and not an op-ed. All right, question number four. What's your point of view? What is your clear point of view regarding a solution? And this is where you wanna take a side and remember no lukewarm stances. And then lastly, question five, what do you want your readers to know or do? What do you want? readers to know or do? Do you have recommendations, suggestions, tips for them to take with them? Uh, Things that you would like to see implemented uh, in a big way? What do you want people to know or to do after they read your piece? And so that is a quick and dirty rundown of what could be included in your op-ed or how you can begin thinking about writing an op-ed. I hope that it got your wheels turning and you were able to identify at least one topic that you're passionate about, excited about, or that makes you angry. Don't be afraid to lean into what frustrates you and angers you because oftentimes you're not the only one who feels that way. And typically our anger can be a window into the things that we care about the most and the changes that we want to see. So do not run away from your anger when it comes to visibility and media. It could be the way that you make your mark. All right, that's all for now. I can't wait to share with you the insights from our New York Times opinion page reporter or editor. Uh, So be on the lookout for our conversation as you think through your next because again this is probably not your first because you're a high achiever listening to package your genius but be on the lookout for that as you work on your next op-ed i'll see you soon